Welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. It's a great to be joined by this gentleman today. Uh, he was the architect of the two Admirals teams that made it to the Calder Cup Finals. Um, not sure exactly what he did after that. Uh, it, it, I hope he did okay, but uh, it, it's great to talk to this guy. Uh, he's uh, Ray Shiro. Ray, good to see you. Great to talk to you. I remember the last time I remember seeing you, um, really remember seeing you, uh, the Admirals had just swept Houston in the second round, a, a pretty good Houston team in the second round of the Calder Cup playoffs. So the staff goes over to a nearby hotel near, near the Toyota Center to have some celebratory drinks. And as we look outside, there's an armadillo running by that, that the bar staff <laughs> had to run outside with a trash can to cover up the armadillo <laughs> wild around the bar and terrorize the patrons. Do you remember that at all? Uh, I don't remember that one, but oh. I probably wasn't at that establishment. I went right back to the hotel. Come on. You know. Yeah, you were scouting. You were doing a pre-scout on Grand Rapids. Exactly. Yeah. Grand Rapids, of course. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah, that Toyota Center. And that was that was something fun. They always had good teams, too, Houston. And remember, we couldn't beat them the one year, and then we signed uh, Curtis Murphy. It was a Curtis Murphy, right? Curtis Murphy, Curtis, yeah. The, yeah, the fans went, how good? That guy was so good. And uh, But, yeah, Toyota Center, every time you go there, it was great. You always, you know, we practiced there, but sometime um, Yao Ming would be in getting treatment and walking out of the, the visitor locker room after the morning skate one time and walk into him. I'm like, oh, my goodness, is this guy. <laughs> you can't even believe how big he is. Like, holy cow. It, it, but I was not part of the uh, post-game shenanigans, so I didn't do it. <laughs> I, I actually – I would like to – this is totally off topic, but I completely <laughs> agree with you. Like, when we would go into the Bradley Center, we'd see some of the Bucks players or NBA players. Oh. They are so tall, and I think to myself, how are these guys – like, they can't even – how could they walk and chew gum at the same time? And yet they go out on the court, and they are so athletic – but you yep. see them walking around. They look like they're weigh 110 pounds because they're seven feet tall, but they're. Yeah. And, and you still remember, like, especially a lot of the, those buildings were um, you know, made for really for basketball. And, you know, even I remember back to the, I think the Suns still play there out in Phoenix still play where the uh, Coyotes used to play downtown. And it was right. really the one end where you couldn't really see anything because it's built for basketball. But I'll never forget that his guys are complaining. Like, what the hell? You can't even get, you're taking a shower. You're not even getting wet because of the <laughs> shower, they're so high. Like, the was coming down to our little hockey players. I mean, yeah. it was like dry. And, uh, but it was hard to, and again, like that was, that was one of the things is you guys, like, you go to those, you know, sometime you go and they haven't changed over yet, the, the basketball court to you know, the hockey rink, whatever. And the guys just love that because they go out and shoot baskets and all that oh. stuff. And it's NBA buildings, right? right? What a thrill. And, you know, and kind of realize like, None of those guys were going to make uh, the NBA because there was a lot of bricks being thrown around, but that was fun. That was good times. No, we actually had a, after you left, we had a, an incident on a basketball court where Steven Werner, uh, who, who played, uh, he's from Maryland, if I'm not right, Aaron, Maryland. Yeah, yeah, D, yeah, he D, got, D, a, he really got right. a concussion, hit in the head with a basketball, got a concussion. Oh, hey, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, not good. Oh, so we had man. to ban. So no, no more. Yeah, talk about bricks. No more basketball uh, uh, playing. So you, then you started doing the soccer, and the guys got hurt that that way too. So doing that way, good. yeah, probably. Yeah, yes, probably. exactly. Breaking their faces and breaking light. Yeah, that's <laughs> soccer game. That's fun. Your career is is really something because you started off at least at the NHL level with an expansion team. And then you move on with speaking of Ottawa, and then you move on to an expansion team with Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that how I mean, it's great to get your foot in the door, but those are some challenging gigs, I would guess. Yeah, it's um, I was the 90 Ottawa Senators. Um, I 
assistant GM. I was in 1993 was my first year. I was in Audible for five years and they were um, the first year. I wasn't there the first year of Ottawa expansion. And I think they, I mean, I think they won nine games the, yeah. uh, the whole year. Um, you know, when I got there the next year, really set things on fire and we really got moving. I think we won like 12. <laughs> that wasn't fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was like three years of a lot of like, Holy cow, you know, we were not good at all. And um, it was really the final two years we made the playoffs. And, um, and that was great to get it going in the right direction. And, but it was fun. Like, I mean, looking back, even my first year, what we were also, you know, it was a ragtag group on the ice and worked their ass off, but, you know, off the ice, we, you know, Rick Bonos was the head coach. Elaine Vigneault was just in the second year in the assistant coach of the NHL. Uh, Trevor Timmons was in our front office. We had John Ferguson Sr., John Ferguson Jr., who was part-time scout at the time, and he was just starting law school. Um, so, and, well, Jimmy Nell was there. Um, the, a lot of good people, like Paul Castro, and like a lot of good people off the ice. And we laugh at it. We see each other sometime. We're like, God. Oh, we were so naive and, like, young. And, but E.J. McGuire, though, was on that staff, the, the yeah. coaching staff, and uh, Chico Rash. It was it was fun, but there were some trying times. But really, the last two years was was awesome, making the playoffs, and <clears throat> ours was a great market. And um, but then I had the opportunity to more of a lateral move, but the opportunity to work with David Poyle, and um, who would you know fifteen years in Washington, and um, they were just starting their first year in Nashville. So that was that was a great move for me personally. It was there eight years and loved it, and um, obviously that's where kind of met you fine gentlemen um, yep. through the Milwaukee. Um, and what a connection that's been, obviously. And, um, you know, uh, so some great times and um, both places there, the expansion and a lot of opportunity for people, including myself. I want to so, point out real quick about Ottawa coming into the league when it did in 92, because Milwaukee that was, was Milwaukee. Yeah. Everybody, we, we, many people thought Milwaukee would join the league at the time and they pulled out uh, mm-hmm. citing the fact that, one, the, the rates were raised, but two, uh, the struggles that it would be to start off and trying to keep people's attention through some mm-hmm. nine win and 12 win seasons. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's one of the smarter things the NHL did to change up the rules allow uh, when it comes to a goaltending protect goalie protection mm-hmm. and, and, and so on. Right. I mean, that's, that's yeah. like you said, that's, no, a- that was, that yeah, you're right. I was like, in terms of, but it's important because, you know, certainly further expansion, you know, Milwaukee heard a lot, and Hamilton really right. uh, back in, you know, for 92 expansion and to have Ottawa and Tampa, right. <laughs> I mean, two, two franchises really didn't have any money, but said they did. And they, they put it together. It was pretty amazing. And just, you know, obviously Tampa's what a great market, but you know, as you know, back then it was 50 million bucks uh, for right. a franchise. And so now it's six fifty or something like that, but even Vegas coming out at 500 and that, those are important markets are so important and they have to have good teams. I mean, and, you know, uh, Vegas, I mean, what they did was incredible and uh, continue to do. And it's a strong market. The revenue has been incredible. And what's amazing for the NHL is to be the first pro sports team there and uh, sports fr- uh, league there in uh, Vegas and to beat the other teams and or other leagues. And I think obviously this year is the NFL was in there, uh, the Raiders, but um, it was an important market. And that's good. I mean, it's, you know, to have a fighting chance, because if not, it's an uphill battle and it takes a lot of time and they got to be in the right market to sustain that and that enthusiasm. And cause uh, if you don't have the, you know, the pool of players to pick from, as you know, <clears throat> it makes it pretty hard. Pretty and, uh, Really difficult. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty interesting. 50 million to six, you know, 500 million. 
Um, yeah, they get better players at 500 million and, and that's good. I mean, that's certainly, you know, owners that are putting up that kind of money um, certainly should have uh, the ability to, to feel a good team. And, and again, it's, it's an, looking back, I mean, I'm just not that long ago to Vegas when they came in, like, who knows? Like everybody, like they're all transients. Like, you know, they, who's going to buy tickets? Well, holy right. cow. I mean, it's got to be one of those incredible Everybody, that that's building. who's going to buy them is everyone. <laughs> it's everyone. It was, a, it's an amazing experience or what they've done. And, uh, they sold. They sell it all the time, and it's just a great location. It's a great enthusiastic market, and you know, and to have a team as good as they are right off the bat, I mean, that's certainly has helped. You know, a lot of magic that's happened there so far in Vegas, and they weren't far from the Stanley Cup, and they're probably going to get there soon. So, tell us about how how did you end up in Ottawa? Like you, so you obviously your you, your your dad was a, a ultra successful uh, NHL head coach. You played in college at St. Lawrence. You were drafted, but you never – did you ever try and play? What was your story with uh, uh, about about playing pro and how come you stopped after college? And then tell us how you ended up in Ottawa. Yeah, um, I, so I played at St. Lawrence uh, University Division One for four years, and I was drafted by LA um, after my sophomore year. But the funny thing is I didn't even play my sophomore year. I tore up my knee at the World Junior Camp in the summer. Um, so I missed my sophomore year and I still got drafted. So, but I missed that. And then I came back and played two more years and had two good years at St. Lawrence. And actually at the time, I think it was 1985. Yeah. And Pat Quinn was the coach and Rogie Vash. I was a GM and um, I was offered a three-way contract. That it was, I still have that. <laughs> three-way contracts. Three-way. Yep. It was good. LA. And the problem was that I, I, I went to camp without a contract and, the problem was, is that LA was sharing their farm team in New Haven with the Rangers. And, you know, they only have, that was a center. And so LA had two centers and New York had two. Well, you know, it was a second, you know, a couple second round picks that had the opportunity before me, but I had a, for a mile, I had a really good camp and, um, and they wanted me to start because they didn't have a room in New Haven. So <clears throat> they wanted me to start in Toledo. That's like the third way. And looking back, it was so funny because would have been my teammate if I had gone there with Don Waddell, good old Don. And um, they had a real good team there in old Toledo, which obviously we used to, when I was in Milwaukee as sort of a farm team as well in Toledo and right. some players there and an old little barn they had. And um, that would have been something, but no, I decided not to actually pursue it. And um, probably about six months later, um, ended up getting the agent business, moved to Boston. And so I was in the agent business for about six years uh, living in Boston. And uh, it was awesome. I was kind of out of college and, um, learned a lot of, you know, about the CBA and, um, you know, just a lot of contacts and, um, th that was great. And then Randy Sexton, who was my college teammate at St. Lawrence, uh, Randy was one of the original founders of the senators, the three founders. And, um, it was after their first year, he was president. Uh, they fired the general manager after one year. What a business, huh? Um, yeah, right. And so Randy took <laughs> over as, as GM and pre what, as, as well as president and called me out of the blue and asked me if I wanted to be his assistant GM. And I think I was, might have been 30 years old at the time. And anyway, so it was, I made that move and it was fantastic. And, you know, I'm not, if I didn't do that, I mean, the agent business itself, I mean, I, I, I liked it, but it wasn't back then, like it wasn't something I wanted to do the rest of my life. I really wanted to be on the other side, whether it was scouting or whatever it was. But so I was fortunate and it was really, so again, it's through, um, you know, Randy and I were really good friends and, um, at St. Lawrence and stayed in the close friends after we graduated. And 
but I never would have that opportunity if I didn't was in the Asian business because you know Randy's a smart guy and say hey, you're a good guy come on and help me out even though I'm anything about the business right but those six years were fantastic for me and um, but again it was you know you look back and you can meet so many good people along the way and, and start with Ottawa that was fantastic and um, so that's really how I got in from my connection with uh, Randy at the with uh, Ottawa Senators so all goes back to St Lawrence University yeah the that seems like it's a good pre, a prerequisite. To, to be in the age of business. I mean, Brian, I just finished Brian Burke's book. You know, it, oh, that was a good book, huh? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's it, it seems mm-hmm. like it's a it's a smart thing to do is to have that. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're going to be a program director at a radio station, mm-hmm. maybe you should also know the sales part, kind of thing, right? I mean, right. You, you yeah. know as much as you can. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's that was a, to me it was a means to an end, I guess, too. I, um, but no different than uh, and you know you read Brian's book and then like. I'm not getting any royalties off it, but everybody should buy the book. It's a fantastic book. And, um, and I've known Brian for a long time. And when we were with USA Hockey, the Olympic team in 2014 in Sochi, um, good news that he didn't, but we were roommates for three weeks. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was something. And, um, oh, yeah, we, boy. Yeah, that what was, was that something. Yeah, in Sochi. Still- uh, aside from aside from being roommates, the mm-hmm. like we saw the pictures in Sochi, right? Like it was such mm-hmm. a uh, it was such a, a weird setup. They they mm-hmm. hurried to put everything together. Oh, yeah, and all of this was, stuff, right? I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily up to code. Mm-hmm. All these buildings. Well, maybe it was. Maybe it was up to code in Russia. Right. <laughs> not, not not over here. Trust me. It was like you know they just kind of. I mean. The, you know, we were in the village and it, it was everything. It was great. I mean, but at the same time you bought, when you walked in, I mean, you're like, wow, like the hooks and the, the put your click, I think you just stuffed everything in there. And at the end, and you go to hang up your coat next thing you know, the, the door coat. falls off. Oh <laughs> God, really? This is going to be a long few weeks. I mean, where do I put my coat now? I mean, Jesus, that was, you know, I've never been accused of snoring so much in my life than Berkey. I mean, God, Berkey. Yeah, Berkey, after the first night, we have twin beds, and oh, man. And wake up, and Berkey's looking at me. He's got his tidy whities on. He's looking at me. That's, you know, what the hell? What? He's, you're the worst. You snore so, uh, I couldn't sleep all night. You snore so bad. I looked at him. This is what I'm, I looked at him. I go, Berkey, I just got these Bose noise-canceling headphones for the trip. I wore them last night. I can still hear you snoring. You're so full of crap. I mean, come on. But anyway, he's an incredible guy, and it's funny you brought up bringing his read his book because you know he's he's really one of the most impressive, smart guy, loyal guys that you, you can know. And he's, I think he's been a great gift for hockey, and um, well, it's great to you know it's, he, people enjoy it. The 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 legend of Brian Burke and Pat Quinn lives mm-hmm. on in Milwaukee Admirals lore of the time when they were when they were in Vancouver and we were right. in Vancouver, and he would they would come Wojo would pick him up in Chicago. And by the time they got to Milwaukee, they'd already had a case of beer <laughs> and they would go back in the little room. You remember that little room in our office in the Bradley center and they'd go back and they would, they'd stay would it was brandy cigars and beer. And they would just, they would argue about every player uh, who's coming to be in Milwaukee and what's going on here. And it was just stuff, a legend. That's right. Wow. That's right. Vancouver with Milwaukee. And that's funny because they were from reading the book, Pat Quinn, um, you know, one of the legends in the game and uh, passed away just a few years ago. And his daughter, when I was in Nashville, actually, his daughter Callie, Callie. worked with us. Remember Callie? So, and, but actually when Pat first got his start in coaching, my father was, my father hired him 
uh, I think in 1977, to be on the staff in Philadelphia. And so it was my dad, Pat Quinn, Terry Crisp, and the goalie coach was Jacques Plant. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, yeah, not, that's a bad, a, not a bad group. Yeah, but for reading the book, Berkey's book, it's funny because I can I can see it. Remember, you know, Berkey started working with him. He, you know, he's, remember Pat said to Berkey when he said, listen, Brian, we got some kid over in Russia. Like, you know, he's supposed to be pretty good. Uh, we should go see him. What? What's his name? Oh, yeah. And Pac goes, yeah, one of us should go see him. Uh, so Berkey's <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go see him. So for the next five years, it would be the same thing. Hey, Berkey, we just ordered from some Chinese food um, down the street. One of us should go get it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and one of us should go get it. And Brian was smart enough to realize. That he was the was, one. Uh, you're the one. Yeah, one of us should do it. Okay, that was a that's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it, it, you know, I can't recommend it enough. When you yeah. come to Milwaukee, when you come to Nashville, and the partnership is there with Milwaukee, mm-hmm. what's the the strategy? Do you just bring in as many players as you possibly can? Then, because I mean, obviously, when a team is an expansion team, you're you're trying out a lot of faces to see if they stick or not. Yeah, well, I got I got to so Nashville started in '98. And I got there to Nashville in November of 98. And as David Coyle, yeah. yeah, and as David said, well, did that one backwards. Cause you know, usually the assistant GM gets hired, then director of player personnel, whatever. And, but of course <laughs> David hired, you know, his director of player personnel, Paul Fenton, and then chief amateur scout Craig channel. And that was the last one in. And so everything was, and remember, Al, I think it was Al Sims and yeah. Al Sims was a coach and uh, back. And again, whatever direction of the franchise was set by David, um, certainly the way, you know, again, if you look back at that, probably the first couple of years of uh, Milwaukee, older players, and, you know, you're trying to, you know, uh, I mean, I don't think, I don't even know if there's any draft picks at that point that were playing. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because it was too early. And so a lot of veteran guys and, um, but I, I, it was, Everything, as you know, everything, when you look back, I mean, everything, it still is. And with Nashville, Milwaukee, it's been a great marriage. And, you know, developing is going through Milwaukee. And it's not just the players, but it was coaches that, you know, end up moving up. And it's such a great opportunity there. And, um, you know, always had a great relationship, you know, with Phil Whitlip was fantastic to work with. And, um, you know, it, it was really fun. But it was, you know, it probably took two, three years where some of the draft picks started to come out to turn pro. Right. And then, you know, until then, you're in the IHL and you remember the IHL, crazy, teams are signing guys for 250 grand and wonder right. why the league folded at some point. But, you know, the San Francisco Spiders and remember this? And right. um, <laughs> I mean, it was great. I mean, I mean, I I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming from, I'm coming from Ottawa where I'm running the farm team for them. It's in Prince Edward Island. I mean, back then there was no bridge or anything like that. So yet, to get off so the alley, you have to, well, you have to fly, but the team, a lot, I mean, was playing you know, Moncton and, um, and all these, you know, up there in St. John and St. John's, which I didn't know which was, which took me a couple of years to figure out which is <laughs> right, which. Right. And, but again, for that, I mean, had to take the ferry and, you know, and all the equipment, all that stuff. So they take the ferry off the Island. And I remember one time they got stuck in the, like a ice storm. And so they were, well, they never made the game in Fredericton or something like that. Cause for like 30 hours, they were stuck on the ferry. Because oh. the ice, and so oh and that was I go there, and all of a sudden you go to you know Milwaukee, and you know I'll meet the team in Vegas or Houston or <laughs> right. like wow, this is or, pretty good or Atlanta you know? or San Francisco Atla- or. exactly, and all these the things, and but that was the way the league was, and then certainly you know we were just talking before we came on, but you know 
when how many, I'm not sure how many teams were absolved uh, by the AHL. Was it four? Or, six. I can't remember for the six, six, yeah. six teams. Six. And yeah. I mean, going through that, I remember Frank Croak was a big part of that and making that happen with Dave Andrews and the, and the American League. But and to take a look at and you know that philosophy changed. And even you know when the team that won the Calder Cup in '04, um, I remember like we didn't have a great October. I think we're we're too young, and we had a number of draft picks. And I mean, Claude Noel and I laugh about it a lot, but um, you know, it it was probably in late October we got beat by Houston five to one. I remember, and like man, well, anyway. So it was. I think it was that we we signed uh, Tony Herkus, uh, and then we had Brad Tiley. Brad Tiley came that in man. late too. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah like the AHL deals, and then obviously we had Wade Flaherty, but. Uh, Obviously, Herkus and, and Tylee, they were amazing for our group. and um, But we had a number of younger players, which, you know, became a you know great thing for those guys to end up playing some incredible playoff series and then certainly that year in 04 winning. But, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was nice to see over the time the, the growth of that group and the introduction of the younger players. and But certainly the, the veterans always played a, a really big role um, and a big part of a, the team winning there, but it was it was it was fun to see. It was a really great group, and uh, Milwaukee was a fantastic place. We've talked to so many of the younger players from that team, uh, Darren Hadar and Brian Finley, and all that. And I mean, to a person, they say how great Herkus was, how Tylee, mm-hmm. uh, Wade Flaherty, Ray Schultz. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a captain, Matthew, yeah. Matthew Darsh it was a guy who was kind of a scrap heap guy. I mean, he he he, what he became as a player was really after. Milwaukee. I mean, Absolutely. And really Darcy was huge. And um, I, still re- <laughs> I still remember um, Paul Fenton, obviously, was the director of player personnel with uh, Nashville and did such a great job and, and um, ran the draft starting in 03. And, um, but it was so funny. Like, he didn't play. He played 411 NHL games. Paul did. He didn't yeah. play his first game until he was 28. Right. And <clears throat> so at the end of the main training camp where we just send some of these guys down, let's say Matthew Darsh and, you know, okay, well, I, it's hard to say that. I mean, okay, but they have to give them something. To, so my whole shtick with guys like that would be, listen, yeah, but you know, you're 27 years old, whatever. Paul, that I had the Paul Fenton story for all these guys. Right. I'm like, man, well, sure enough, as after he had, you know, obviously a huge part of us winning <clears throat> and, then he goes on, he ends up playing the NHL, right? And I still remember it could have been five years later, like in the hockey news, Matthew Darsh saying, Yeah, like <clears throat> I'll never forget. <clears throat> Sorry, he goes, I'll never forget when I got to Nashville and they sent me down to Milwaukee, Ratio sat me down, and I here we go, going sent out. But I'll never forget what he said to me. He you know, he talked about the story I told him about Paul Fenton, and you know, this is could be this just a start for you. It can't be the end. Look at it, look what happened to him, four and eleven. I mean, what else am I going to say, right? Yeah, right? This is the only guy that actually bought it. <laughs> great. <laughs> wow. Darcy, Darcy bought it and he actually worked. You know, I wasn't told that to 25 guys. I mean, come on, get out of the office. I don't know what else to say to you. Get off to yeah. a good start and, you know, um, and yeah. hopefully you get called up. But that was, that was really, you know, one guy, you know, it's, that really happened for him. And now look at him now his career and, Certainly in Tampa Bay, and remember the you know front office of uh, the Stanley Cup champions last year, and incredible good person. He was such a great person, and I really yeah. like Matthew. 
And, and, and I know his, he can and, listen. And, That's good. He, at least he's the one guy to listen to me. Yeah, right. And, and his brother was an NFL player, right? Played. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, Matt, I think Matthew went to uh, I think he went to McGill, didn't he? He did go to McGill. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. He was a good person. Good to see him do well. Yeah. They. Uh, uh, but let's. I want to go back a little bit before the the Calder Cup season. The the guy who Claude Noel, our head coach for that team and for the most successful teams in Admiral's history was fired by you uh, after the 0102 season. But then Correct. in what I can't imagine what must've been like such an awkward thing, you hire him to coach in Toledo. Like how did how, like, I take us through that whole, you know, you don't have to go into the gory details about oh, why no, you got that's... fired. We sucked. <laughs> that's why you got fired. Uh, but then how do you like, well, how would you like to go coach in Toledo? <laughs> well, it was funny. I mean, um, I, you know, I got a great relationship with Claude and <clears throat> to this day and um, and even Davey Allison and, you know, those guys at the same, you know, both those guys. And, I ended up and Dave Allison Dave would have been your coach. It was, it would have been the coach in Ottawa for you, for you guys. Exactly, for, but he was also the coach in PEI and, um, yeah. you know, it obviously was Grand Rapids. and um, But even in Pittsburgh, I hired the pro, uh, amateur scout for us and he did a fantastic job. And um, But that was so after that, that was a dismal season, right? Yes, um, there was coaching, there was coaching changes. And, um, and I still remember cause you know, I had hired, you know, Claude and, and Davey, I guess uh, Claude was there, but um, you know, and then that didn't work after a couple of years and uh, still remember, you know, David Poyle, which was fantastic. You know, he, you know, gave you the autonomy to, to do your job in this case it was me to try to find the new head coach for Milwaukee and, and I interviewed a number of people and um, really came down. Uh, I remember sitting down in David's office and I'm really, he goes, how's the, um, how's the search going? I'm like, I'm almost there, David. Here's, you know, what I want to recommend. And I went through this stuff and it was really Peter Horchuk I wanted to offer the job to. And, and of course, you know, I felt really good about it. And David just looked up at me. I remember over his desk, he goes, right. He sounds like a good candidate. Um, just get this one right. <laughs> uh, okay thanks for the confidence david um but then when you know so peter came and did a fantastic job for that year and then you know barry trotz really really liked him and after one year you know he came, brought him up to nashville and then well you know because we had the relationship with toledo it was kind of a loose relationship whatever and so claude becomes a head coach in toledo and it gets better because after one year, we had a good year. That I remember that like Dominic Pettis and all that stuff. And I think we yeah. went to beat Rochester in the first round. I can't remember. Yep, that was a pretty good team. That really kind of got us on our way a bit. And but after the year, we're having the exit meetings and all that stuff. And Barry called me and said, "Listen, I really want to see if uh, what do you think about you know Peter Horchuk coming up here?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah." Well, I'm thinking this, Peter's done a fantastic job here. I'm like, right. I got to find another coach. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, and I knew who I wanted to hire and it was Claude. And, but I had been down to Toledo a number of times during the year and saw him. And um, so I think about a week after that, he got coach of the year down in Toledo, uh, coach of the year in the East coast league. And I'll never forget. I called him and I said, listen, what are you up to? He goes, what am I up to? Huh? I got this U-Haul out here. I'm getting all my stuff and moving my stuff back to Milwaukee. And hmm. shoot, he always calls me shooter. Shooter, what do you call him for? What's up? Um, yeah, um, it's going to be released tomorrow. But uh, Peter Horchuk is going to the national assistant coach. He's like, oh, good for Peter. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Let me ask a question. If, if Would you have any interest in being the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals? Well, wait a What? Say that again. So I repeat, like, would you have interest in that? Let me see, Shooter. I'm in the East Coast Lake. We've got this U-Haul i got to pack up. My family's in Milwaukee. Yeah, caught me interested. <laughs> okay. That was it, really. And um, that was, ended up being one of the best things uh, with Claude and Todd Richards. And that, that was a really good group. And um, Claude did a, a fantastic job there. And really happy that, you know, he moved on to the NHL. And um, but what a... What a good, what a good guy, and what a good guy to cover, Claude yeah. Noel. He had, I, um, he was good. I, I, I can't. I, I don't want to speak for Aaron, but I'm sure he can hear the same voice, the Claude voice, after you, oh. you say that, and the eyebrow, his eyebrow goes up, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you maybe think? use an expletive yeah. or two. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, well, because you know his kids were still up there. Linda, they're still at that. They're still. The kids were in school, I think, and went to state in Milwaukee. And, you know, he's down, you know, in Toledo. But, he, you know, he's, you know, it's so good. I mean, that's the thing of probably anything you do in life. And uh, he's passionate about anything he does. And, he, you know, it, to him, it wasn't a step down in the East Coast League. It was for him. You know what? It's it's hockey, and I'm passionate about it. And he makes people both on and on off the ice better. And um, it really is, you know, it ended up being a great thing for, you know, for Peter, obviously, and obviously for the Admirals with uh, Claude and his family to come back and do so well. And um, yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't that's a hard sell. <laughs> Based on Bryce said, "Well, that's a stupid question." Yeah, I would be interested. <laughs> so it, it, it was also, good. It also <clears throat> started your relation. I'm, I'm I'm guessing it started your relationship with Todd Richards when when he came in with Peter. Uh, actually, you know what? It was it's a good question. Thing, Aaron is like, yeah, I've known Todd a long time now, and um, it was. It was actually the year before it was Peter Horachuk. Right. That right. Peter Horachuk that, you know. That, that, and was it Peter's uh, suggestion? Was it Peter's recommendation? Oh, yeah. He played for Peter absolutely. in Orlando, right? Orlando, absolutely. He was his captain. They won the Turner Cup and then the league folded, remember, right. after they won. So yes. then Peter had took a job in the East Coast League in Trenton. I might have coached the year. And Brian McKenna was uh, running the team in Trenton at the time. And um, But that's, you know, he said to me, Todd, and Todd was playing over, I think he played one year in Switzerland. And so I go, Todd Richards, I, I mean, I know the player. I mean, he goes, I, I think he'd be fantastic. And as a, as a coach, uh, and this guy really, I'm like, okay. And to this day, I remember Todd, when I interviewed Todd, it was on the phone, he's in Switzerland. And, um, you know, he went through this whole thing for like 20 minutes. And, and then he kind of took a breath. I'm like, huh. But I, I'm like, Wow, I, I really don't have a lot of questions, Todd. Um, I only have one. Like, you done playing? What? Are you done playing? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Um, yeah, you're hired. No, basically that was it. I'll, then I remember sitting. I go, just tell, I just have another question. What's the most important thing for an assistant coach? And they went another 15 minute diatribe. I'm like, and he'll tell this story because he told it over the Olympics because he was on our staff at the Olympics associate, and he went on this other 15 minute thing, and I didn't. I don't even know what the heck he said. <laughs> and and Todd never got it because he goes, he said, well, I'm not sure exactly what that means, whatever, but the only thing that matters to me is loyalty uh, as an assistant coach. That's the only thing. That's it? I'm like, yep. Okay, my, what's the next step? Like, will I hear back from you? I'm like, maybe. 
maybe not. <laughs> and at that point, I knew. I knew that Peter wanted to hire him. I just wanted to make, you know, the guy make, talk to yeah. him. That was great. And, and that, I think it was after – so that's so – that was the first year. They brought in Chuck Weber as well. And, right. um, yeah, Chuck was fantastic. And, and then when Peter left there for the first year to Nashville, then Claude came, then kept Todd, and that ended up being great, except, you know – and then when I got – you know, after you, in 06 losing the finals at Hershey – a month or two earlier, I got the GM job in Pittsburgh and um, ended up hiring Todd Richards to be the head coach in Wilkesbury. And, right. um, you know, a lot of, I love Todd. He's, he's great. And he's actually, it's so funny back in Nashville. Huh? Yeah. So um, I, I, I said to him when, you know, I said to him, you know, when John Hines named him to the staff in Nashville assistant coach and after winning the Stanley Cup last year with Tampa, I'm like, Todd, I'm so happy for you. David finally called you up. That's amazing. It took a while. <laughs> you called up from the uh, the Admirals. So, um, no, it was great. It was really good coaches there, obviously. I know you have a really good one there now. And it's been a great place to develop players and, and staff. And um, it's been a great thing to see along the way here. <clears throat> Has it Was it for you as the GM of Milwaukee, was there any added pressure because the owner – of the Predators is living in not Milwaukee, but in Racine, Craig. Racine, yeah. So Craig, did you yeah. feel a little bit extra pressure that Craig was going to be at these games and be like, Ray, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. I guess he used to say to David, David, like you should come to the games up here. Like, yeah, right? So I don't have to sit with Craig by myself. Yeah. <laughs> he was, it was awesome. He, you know, you know, Craig, he's, he was, I, I love Craig. He was awesome. He was so passionate about the game and the sport and, uh, you know, Racine is not that far from Milwaukee. And I think that's the reason is that got the affiliation to begin with. I mean, right. Absolutely. Uh, when the Predators goes to Craig Leopold and then obviously being a Racine and, um, and that was back in 98, Holy cow. And he was, he's so passionate, but he loved going to the games and, you know, and we, you know, just talked during the games and he knew, I mean, he was great. He knew all the players and, you know, it was this guy you called up, that guy called up or, who drafted this guy? Oh, not me. I don't know. Not me. <laughs> um, Craig. Well, find out who it was. I sure will, Craig. I'll get back to you on that one. And, um, no, he was he was great. And it was imagine that like how many NHL teams have an owner that are going to their minor league games, uh, AHL level, and which is fantastic. And, and it was great. And you know all the players. You go down and see the coaches after the game, and um, it was awesome. And it was nice to see. Uh, maybe the most important player for that era, the 04 to, you know, 04 to 06 era was Darren Hadar, uh, a guy you would, who you would have drafted. Uh, just talk a little bit about Darren and what he meant for a small guy before they sort of, you know, made the rule changes that they did maybe uh, in the mid to late 07, 08 with the clutching mm-hmm. and grabbing, but how, how, what a good, what good of it, how, what did he mean to this organization and, uh, and to the team? I mean, he is, his contribution is almost immeasurable. It, it, you know, just, you know, after four years at UNH and, you know, he's five, nine, maybe, and it wasn't the fastest skater. And it just, right. I mean, how in the heck he's, you know, he's to make the transition and it's a big jump. And even at UNH, they play on a bigger ice surface. And, but it was pretty, I think he was a point, I think he's as a rookie, I think he's a point per game guy. He had like 70 some points, I think as a rookie. And right you can see right away, like it's whatever that wasn't there and being fleet of foot or size or his hands and his hockey, his hockey center was off the charts and he could make plays. And he was, 
he was not afraid at all. I mean, for his size and he, he was such a great player and wow. Like you look back at him, I mean, it's what a great career he had as well. And, but the impact he had both on and off the ice with the admirals and the fans and his teammates and man, oh man, like it, it was really a pleasure to watch him play. And it was great too, because I think when he came out, it was maybe the year, maybe Peter Horchick's year, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was Peter Horchick's first that year. Was a, yeah. That was, that was, so I think that was, we had a guys like Dominic Pittis, maybe guys like this. And, yeah, but that right. was really getting some, so he, he came out and he had some decent players to play with luckily. And like, we didn't know where, where he's going to play. Maybe, East Coast, I have no idea. Right. But it was really apparent right away the transition for him was not hard because, you know, you guys saw him play a lot. And but his hockey sense was just incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And it's uh, what a good person. And man, it was, it was nice. And it was, it was good to see a great career. Yeah. You, you know, you also mentioned that the start of the 0304 year wasn't great. It was fine. It was good. We had a good team, but not Mm -hmm. anything sensational. We signed Herkus. Tylee comes in, but maybe, prob- probably, in my opinion, the most important trade in Admirals history happened early in that season, and that was with Atlanta trading Ben Simon and Thomas Klocek to, uh-huh. to Atlanta for Simone Gamash and Kirill Sopranov. I don't uh-huh. think Klocek or Simon, uh, I know Klocek never played for the Wolves, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Sopranov was very important for us as, in a, uh-huh. uh, as a defenseman, and Gamash was... He was the, the yin yeah. to Hadar's yang. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and you would have been the orchestrator of that trade. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, I mean, everybody really, I, both players we really liked and um, having played against, you know, Gamash. And, but yeah, him and Hadar, oh man, they were one shot left, one was right. And they were different types of players, but man, like yeah. they were both so good and so fearless and, different types of players but man like Gamash would just jump right out at you like the passion he had to play and he just loved to play and he, what a big difference like to have Hadar have him and all of a sudden some of these other players are coming in and you know you know we signed Fiddler out of the East Coast League get him yeah. and right yeah, he ends up I mean guys like that end up you know and then even like the defense I mean look at the defense uh, some of the defensemen playing in Milwaukee you know, holy cow! And uh, I'm not even sure how the we. I'm not even sure how we got Wade Clarity. We signed as a free agent. I can't remember. As, as a free a, agent, and was I, a free the, agent. Yeah, and I I remember the first day of training camp, Wade was trying to come in the locker room, and he had on he he had his coat was a flannel uh, a flannel shirt. Uh, that was really? his coat. And I stopped him. I said, "Hey, <laughs> this is the Admiral's locker room. You can't like this is just for the players here." And no he's way. like. Yeah, well, and this is all 304. Like, yeah. there's no internet, right? Or there is an no, internet, right, right. but like, I have no idea what this guy looks yeah. like. And right. I, he's like, "No, I, I'm I'm Wade Flaherty," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, sorry yeah. about that." <laughs> um, yeah, Wade, <laughs> that's funny. But oh boy, was he good? That was, you know, that you know, both him and Finley that you know during the regular season that the uh, Cup, the you know, 304 season, they both played really well. And but in the playoffs, it was really, and that was a big thing. I mean, certainly Finley was our first round pick, and you know, a lot would say, hey, play him. But I think it was, you know, really from David and throughout the organization, you earn what you get. And then really, you know, we want to win. And winning's development. And we had some really good players in that team. And even though Finley had a, a really good regular season, obviously, I mean, I mean, how the Flaherty in the playoffs is just, uh, I mean, incredible. And 
you know, beating some really good teams and, um, and to see that it was fantastic and can happen to a better guy like Wade. And, but those guys, you know, those, those additions and, you know, whether it's Tylee Flaherty and, and Tony, obviously, and um, made a huge difference. And, um, and it's, I mean, the, the juice we got out of those guys was amazing and um, yeah. squeezed every house out of them. And um, what a legacy they leave in Milwaukee. Just wonderful. Well, a couple of guys who left the legacy here. You mentioned Vernon Fiddler. Uh, Rich Peverly is another one. These guys who were in the ECHL. Uh, I remember Claude Noel very clearly telling me the reason Vernon Fiddler is in the NHL is because he can skate. We found him in mm-hmm. the we found him in the ECHL, but he's a guy who can mm-hmm. skate, and that's why mm-hmm. he's had success. And he, and the, mm-hmm. the same can probably be said for Peverly. But mm-hmm. how do you find these guys uh, when uh, it? it you got to rely on some good people to find good. People. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'll never forget with Vern Fiddler, he was playing down in Roanoke and uh, it was Dan McKinnon who was a uh, pro scouting force. Now he's assistant GM in New Jersey. He's the one that really saw him first. And back then, um, Perry Florio was a coach in Roanoke. And so, I mean, how do you get a hold of? And the problem was like, they weren't really, I don't think Perry was really, helping guys kind of move up at the time, you know, that's, I had an issue with that myself. So I'm like, I'm not even going to call the coach. I go, Dan, can you find me Vern Fiddler's number? He goes, I don't even know who his agent is. I'm like, but we really can't let Roanoke know. Right. Right. We're also right. Sure enough. um, This is a true story. I, I, in Roanoke, I called every V Fiddler. (laughs) I'm not kidding. How many, Uh, how many V Fiddlers are there? Nine. There was nine. Really? (laughs) Nine yep. B fiddlers Nine, in Roanoke, yes. Virginia. Yeah, there's a Virginia Vicky. Um, <laughs> I went through like seven. Honestly, I finally like there's a Vern Fiddler there. Yeah, there's Vern. What? Really? That's him. And what happened? Honestly, God, Vern goes, and I went through. He goes, "Oh my God, Mr. Shike, I just and I, I, I Roanoke must have got wind that we we're on them. Oh my God, like half an hour, I go signed up like an AHL two way deal with them." Um, I might have been so Rockford or Chicago. I can't remember who I was with. I'm like, you're kidding. No, oh, so we didn't get him at first. It was for the next year we got him. And okay. You know, he came <laughs> in. Yeah, he came in and obviously, but he he was a huge part of that. And what a great initial career ended up having it for a guy that, you know, I mean, it was sad that there was only eight fillers left in Roanoke the next year, but what the heck? <laughs> 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 it was great. Like, well, Vern. Yeah, yeah Vern, that was great. Well, they even like Richie Peverly. He played at St. Lawrence where right. I went, yeah. obviously, well after me. And, and Claude <laughs> tells that story, too, because it was me and Claude kind of – it was during the lockout. I think it was during the – yeah, it was during the, the, the season I was lost, the right. NHL season. It was right, like, 0405. And so I remember uh, we were down, I think, in Florida with the kids. Our kids were young at the time or something like that. And so I drove over. like I went up to see the – what's it? The Florida Everblades play. Right. And I think Shane Knighty, who was under contract with – I remember a lot of NHL players were playing yes. down there just because, yeah. you know, they wanted to play. And so I went to see 90. I think Shane was one of our players and just drove in. Who was playing, I think, for the other team was Richie Beverly. Yeah. And I knew Richie from St. Lawrence. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, this kid is good. Yeah. And I remember, you know, we didn't really have a far, uh, the East Coast League team. We would just take guys here or there. We never would get them. And I remember saying to Claude, and this was <laughs> – so this is what it came down to. And, and Claude's like, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Um, you wanted Rich Peverly. We like, we needed a, a forward and you wanted Rich Peverly. 
and he wanted Marco Rosa. Remember him? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Marco Rosa. Yeah. And In the beginning of the season, he was like he was lucky for me as a coach. Um, you kind of had the final say and so we got Peverly and so Richie obviously came in and you know it was just I mean was really really good and certainly then he gets his chance of you know playing the NHL and with Nashville and and even a better chance and I still remember it's so funny that I was my first year in Pittsburgh playing in Nashville uh in 2006-7 and after the game Richie didn't dress and I saw him after the game so I'm, I go, hey, how's everything going? He goes, I don't know. I don't, not, not great. I'm not really playing much. And I don't know if Barry even likes me. And well, I'm, you know, I gave my speech, hang in there, pal, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah, I guess Barry didn't like him. So the next day he's on waivers. And the greatest thing in his career, because who picks first? It was Atlanta. 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 Picks, that's really where he really, you yeah. know, became a, really, he was almost a star and a huge part of the, the Bruin team that won the Stanley Cup. And yeah. huge part. And he's uh, just a wonderful guy. It's always great seeing him. He's uh, certainly he's with uh, Dallas still, and he's. Uh, yep. I mean, I think he's got really great future. Um, whether it's management, or whatever, because he's a smart kid and experienced in the player development, and everything. And it's always great to see him. He's a wonderful guy. We talk about him so often. I mean, his story is amazing. Where he, you know, you fight, you fight. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. Always be at your best because somebody's watching. He's watching, of, right? Like, right. Yeah, and I can't even tell lineup. you if Shane cracked the lineup, and then all of a sudden That's he's playing with the greatest goal scorer in the world with Kovalchuk. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. How's that? And uh, I mean, he was. I mean, he, what a good player, and because um, he would really like he could really skate. He could slide. He could, yeah, he can. He was just a solid two-way player, and again, it was a you know when he got traded from Atlanta to Boston, you know, kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and you know that was a huge part for Boston to, to get over that hump and win the cup. And he was a huge part of that Bruin team and hard to believe. And, you know, he started in the East coast league and, you know, by happenstance, uh, someone saw him and, you know, maybe Shane Knighty wasn't any good that night. I don't even know, but I don't even know if Rich was, I didn't even, I can't remember if I knew Richie was even playing. By coincidence, um, by coincidence yeah. our current head coach, Carl Taylor was the head coach mm-hmm. at Reading for with, when was that? Was there. Is that right? And Carl is from the same hometown as Claude. So that, are you really? Yes. So it's, God, it's a crazy, did not know that. crazy circumstance. I did not know that. Really? Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's, that's good. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So there you so go. We win the cup in 04. 04, 05 is the lockout year that we're, we've, we've talked about with mm-hmm. I mean, from a, from a roster and a talent mm-hmm. perspective, might have been the most talented roster we've ever had because we mm-hmm. had Dan Ham Hughes down here, Jordan Tutu, who had played the year before, uh, uh, Scotty Upshaw had played a fir- first, not full season, but he was hurt a lot the year before. And mm-hmm. uh, and the league was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then we go to 05, and we didn't, you know, didn't have good success in the playoffs. We've talked, we've, we've gone over this game, mm-hmm. Aaron and I have many times on this podcast. Uh, but then we go back to 0506. A lot of the same guys are back and mm-hmm. uh, make another good run uh, at it. But, but it's different because now it, you know, we've got uh, uh, in, in 0506, the, the, uh, there is a certain amount of turnover. And I'm just wondering how, as the GM, how do you manage like the, we've got a really good core, but now we got to we got to get some complementary parts. And how, how do we figure out the guys that are going to fit in here? Like the Sheldon Brookbanks and mm-hmm. of the world. And are uh, we going to go with an eighth round pick at a, at goaltender? At a, at, mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, that was, yeah, that was good development. It only took uh, three years of pecking down in the American league. In Milwaukee. That was yeah. good in Milwaukee. <laughs> so I think with anything, there's always, um, 
even by winning, you know, there's transition and you know, a lot of the players that you sign as that players or they're one year deals and, you know, and see how they do it. If they end up being good. Okay. Then yeah. Um, I think like a guy like Fither, I believe started on American league deal. If I recall, yeah. and there was a guy that ended up coming back because we signed the NHL contract and, you know, obviously ended up having a very good NHL career. And, um, but you're expecting that all the time. And that's a huge part of your planning or scouting, um, you know, during the season, um, you know, always have a replacement list, group six lists. And, um, and that's, you know, you know, kind of what holes you need to plug and then kind of, cause you're in, you know, now all of a sudden it's, you know, seven years, eight years, the, the relationship that between uh, Nashville and Milwaukee and a lot of the draft picks are coming through and you needed places for them and certainly needed places at the East right. Coast League level to keep guys playing. And it was even down in Toledo, I remember, just with guys like Andrew Hutchinson was down there and right. a lot of guys went right and a lot of good players just to keep them playing. And, um, and it was good for defense because remember, I don't know if you've ever been to that old building in Toledo, but the glass, I mean, honestly, it was like a, a car windshield. It was this high. <laughs> and you flip the puck and it's it hit something in the stands. And I mean, it was so glass was so low and, you know, the fans would reach right over and grab guys by the hair all the time. And Hutchinson <laughs> must be thinking, I'm, I was playing at Michigan state. I was like, what right. the hell is this? And, but you know, we had, well, I mean, we had guys that go through there and it was great because you always knew that Claude was there coaching and I, I trusted him. And so did David and, and Paul Fenn and guys like that. And it was an easy one. And, um, and it was great to see Cloggy coach of the year, but I mean, that happens a transition um, for some of these kids and, you know, but there's always turnover like that. And I remember, you know, I think it was Ray Schultz who was a captain of the cup team. And, you know, yeah. when he had, they had the kind of the rally there at the Bradley center and, you know, <laughs> Ray's saying like, well, I don't know if I'll be back next year. I was like, what do you mean? You're not going to be back next year. Yeah. I'm like, Oh man. Oh, maybe not, but they got to get replaced. But, you no, know, same thing in that. Well, Wade Flaherty wasn't back because Pekka Rene needed a place to play, right? I think Pekka was coming over. and um, But who know, like, nature round pick, how good he'd be or not. And, um, right. That, he was scouted. Was, like, that, the, the story always goes, he was just scouted in warm-ups, right? Because Nicholas Backstrom is playing uh, in uh, in front of him. and uh, Yeah, that was um, – I was that was there. And um, <laughs> up in Ulu, and it was actually Yanni Kekulain and Yarmo, his brother Yarmo is the GM of um, – of Columbus and I've known Yarmo for 35 years and actually ended up hiring his brother Yane when I was in maybe the first couple of years. And he's still with the Predators and his, their, their staff has done a great job and Lucas Bergman, guys like this. And, but Yanni was the one that said, come see this guy play. And I had to be able for a tournament. So he flew up to Olu and it was so cold. It was uh, so bad. And we, we left after two periods cause we had to catch the flight back the last flight out. And, um, but I remember, I had to watch him in warm up. What do you think? I'm like, after warm up, Yachty's looking at me. What do you think? I'm like, I, if this kid played the game, I could even tell you about gold. I don't know. If you guys yeah, are right? I mean, what the hell? I, I don't know. If you like him, just got to tell, we'll tell Paul and Fenton who's running the draft and the 04 draft and hey, maybe take him somewhere. Sure enough, eighth round, they end up taking him. And again, you're right. He was, he didn't play hardly at all because he was playing behind Nicholas Backstrom, ended up coming over. The following season, as a, I think a free agent in Minnesota Wild, ended up being a really a, a star goalie basically for Minnesota. That's why Peck never played. So the next year, we kept him over there. Ended up, I think, kept him over there. And then he played and brought him over. And it was like, what, three years? Played three years in Milwaukee. And I remember, oh, always remember his first NHL game was against Chicago. Right. And um, I think, I think, I, 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 can't remember, I can't remember which goalie got hurt. Both. And had to call up. 
Really? Right. Yeah, you're right. Both. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Both guys got hurt. So, Jesus. And Finley played. Finley got called up first. Played the game before Pekka. And got hurt or something. And, or something. And then Pekka comes in and yeah. Yeah. Remember Chicago played against Chicago and man, oh man, imagine that. And yeah, but it was like he spent a lot of those guys spent time. I mean, look at the defense. I mean, outside the lockout, but I mean, what was the one? I mean. I mean, Shea was down there. Shea was down there for a while. And, that 05 um, 06 team that you had Shea Weber, Sheldon Brookbank, who went on to yep. other teams, but uh, Greg was... Sannon and Kevin Klein were your top four. Wow. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. I'm not sure who five and six were, but they didn't play much, probably. Well, <laughs> Those other guys. Six, in the five and six, you have Rick Barry, or you have Rick Barry in there. Rick Barry, remember? Yeah. Was, yeah, he was, I was, re, I, he was, uh, it was a lot of those. I was, you know, because Shea Weber, I mean, he's obviously just played his thousand NHL right. game uh, the other night and reading a bunch of the stuff. I mean, a lot of like, it was Rick Barry, I think, a number of the guys on that um, Milwaukee team were like Rick Barry, I think, and his wife would have him over there a lot. Right, right. You know, he was like, that was on anyway. So you don't ever forget that. And they have some really good guys. Like you know, Rick Barry was a really great bet for us. And yeah, that was, I mean, we we're really fortunate, but those were, you know, you, you see some of that and, um, you know, even it's, it's, it's a hard transition and, and no matter what, I mean, even when Ryan came out, Ryan Cedar came out, uh, after one year at Wisconsin, I mean, same thing with Hamlet. The first year was hard for them. And I remember both on and off the ice. And I remember a number of times sitting at Starbucks outside of the snow at Bradley center and having a coffee with Ryan and just talking and, you know, it's hard transition and, Worked out pretty well for him. I mean, yeah, he, he, he did okay for I mean, I mean, Brett Peterson, <laughs> Brett Peterson, just a coach in Nashville, fantastic coach and dude. He's like, great. He can't shoot a puck. He can't shoot a puck. <laughs> like he can't. How can he play? He can't shoot. So sure enough, I mean, Brett worked with this on his shot, and and Ryan's one of the best. It still is like at getting the puck to the net. Like not a big, but he can snap it. He's so smart getting it through and. But can you just like hammer it once in a while? So he would work on it, working after practice. And I'll never forget in Chicago, I can't remember who the center was, won the face off back to Ryan Suter, and he just hammered it and scored his first NHL goal in Chicago. And Brent Peterson was a happy dude, <laughs> that's for sure. And, um, you know, it was funny, but uh, I had some good players there. Holy cow. We talk about the importance of veterans. I mean, Ryan, speaking of Ryan Suter, he has said many times to us how important Tony Herkus was to him. Oh, that's great to hear. That's yeah. and and Herc, I, I can't remember. I mean, I still remember. I, I I can't remember exactly when we signed them. You guys might not. I can't remember what month it was, but it was November. November, really. I still remember. Um, Mike Gillis, the successful longtime GM of the Canucks and stuff, it was his agent, and oh. <laughs> I've been dealing with him. And and it was so funny. I'm sure Mike's. You know, he's dealing with Pavel Burry's contract and stuff like this, and for like seven and a half million at the time. And I think Tony was like 75 and, right. you know, that was, a, that was a good investment. And Tony just wanted to play. And um, it was great though. I mean, that, that some of those things, it was good because the competition was so good. Like those, you know, the Houston Chicago's and the Cincinnati's, I mean, some of those, you know, games and playoff series are fantastic. And, you know, looking back, it was just, you know, a lot of fun, but it was great. I mean, the competition made those players better. There's no doubt about it because there was a lot, a lot of good teams. And um, it was nice to see but those young players develop and with, with the aid of certainly great coaching, but certainly some of those veterans we just talked about. Yeah. Big, big, great people and a huge impact in the lives and careers of some of these young kids. 
you know, we, we talk about the AHL being a uh, development league for players, but it's also true for coaches and it's also true for general managers. You go from the general manager of the Admirals, assistant general manager of the Predators. Next, now, after the 0506 season, you get hired as the general the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So talk about how that process went down. Real quick, if you don't oh, mind. Sorry. I remember the, the hot rumor was you were going to Boston. Everybody had you going <laughs> to Boston. And yeah. then all of a sudden, <clears throat> Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh was really, they were building something, obviously, but... Mm-hmm. There, there was talk of them moving, right? I mean, they're, they right. were going to. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was. No, before the new arena was built. And yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, I remember. Yeah. So when I went to Pittsburgh, um, remember we bought our house and all that stuff. And I told my wife, like, you can't. I, I didn't know how much curtains cost. How curtains cost how much? <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap. I go, I remember saying, don't buy any curtains. Like, we might be moving after the season. Like, they were Kansas City, all that stuff. So we didn't get any curtains the first year. I'm like, I didn't know how much they cost. I mean, back in the day in college, you put up those tapestries and stuff. Right. Not really. Um, yeah, that was the case. And, you know, the, it was Sidney Crosby's rookie year was the year before I got there. And uh, he had 18 year old, he had 102 points. And, but the only problem was the team at 58. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that was really, that was really helpful for me coming in with Sid having been there the year before and, you know, and Craig Patrick was my predecessor with uh, Pittsburgh and, you know, Hall of Fame GM and won two cups there. Um, but, you know, like his hands were so tied the last four or five years that they didn't have money and, you know, they're going to move bankrupt, whatever it was. And, um, you know, he would have to sell players off. And so everything was thin off the ice, on the ice. And so when I went there, it was Sid's second year you know, he was used to like, the team wasn't very good on the ice and off the ice. There's a lot of different things that could do, which we ended up doing. And I think that it was very helpful for me that he saw that and could appreciate the difference. And Malcolm came in my first year and just walked into that. And, you know, but it's fantastic. But I know Sid appreciates having gone through that tough year. It was yeah. hard, but, you know, certainly right. it was part of looking back and, and all of a sudden, you know, my first year that the team did really well. And, was more Michael Terrian. I mean, our nemesis with right. the Bears, Grand Penguins. Yeah. And, um, you know, but Michael was a great guy to work with for, I think, two and a half years and um, went to the finals with him our second year um, in Pittsburgh. But um, yeah, it was, you know, I was really fortunate. And, and, but a lot of it, you know, certainly my dealing with the people I, I dealt with and, and, you know, David Poyle, everybody there. And, and certainly all the stuff with the Milwaukee Admirals really was helpful for me. And, um, make that transition, and because I've been an assistant GM for 13 years, I think five, you know, five in Ottawa and eight in Nashville. Nashville, yeah. And I, I never, I never ever worked at him in my life to be the GM. Like I never really, I never did. Which was, I was passionate about the game, and the only thing I wanted to do is make sure I didn't let my boss down. And um, that's my advice to a lot. Of any like you, you know, you have you want to be a GM or you want to be really like that. That can't. Your goal's got to be your passion about the game and. You know, ambition is a great thing, but it's also somewhat dangerous. And uh, right. but I, I was fortunate, and um, and after 13 years, I'm, I got two job interviews, GM job interviews at the same time. I'm like, what the heck is? <laughs> and um, so yeah, it was it was very fortunate, and eight, uh, eight really good years in Pittsburgh for or you know on and off the ice, and kids kind of grew up there, and so it was nice. And but that's um, all. You know, the experience going through Nash- Nashville and Milwaukee in particular was was really great, and 
Um, and you guys are still doing a great job. So it's fun. I, I want to know about winning the, winning the Stanley cup. We've all seen the highlights from that, the, the final game. Are you up? Were you up in a suite uh, at uh, it was in Joe Lewis Joe, arena, right? Correct. Uh, yep. Um, on the road. Yeah. And we, and so just game take us seven, through. Yeah. yeah. Game seven, especially after losing the year before against like, God, like how many hockey hall of famers are on that Red Wings team. Right. Yeah. And you guys are still young and up and coming. Uh, mm-hmm. Take us through that game seven, uh, what it was like for you. Uh, could you, could you eat, could you sleep before the day before uh, and what the whole experience was like? Yeah, that was, I mean, um, yeah, th- those two Detroit teams and back to back in 08, 09, we played in the finals. And I, I think they're still the best, you know, cap era teams. Like they were so good. And, um, and we had a good team too. Like, I don't think we were there in 08. We lost in six games uh, that year, but we were a, a better and more mature team the following year, but they were so good. And again, we start out in Detroit, lose the first two, but we played really well. But you have no, like, honestly, you're down two games to nothing already. Yeah. Again, like we were the year before, but we just and- felt it was different. But still, you're going back and, you know, play game three at Pittsburgh. And, but that was where really, like, you find out, you know, the bunch of Milwaukee stuff. And it's, it's the Vern Fiddlers of the world. It's uh, all those guys that, that make you need those guys so much. And I, I mean, it was really, you know, Matt Cook, Jordan Stahl, and Tyler Kenny. Those guys were fantastic. Right. That, you know, third line, I guess, uh, that we had in, in games three and four and, and six that were so good. And, um, but you know, for game seven, you know, it's, it was, you know, you don't know. I mean, you have a chance, but you know, you don't know. And it's, it's one game to it, decide the whole thing. It's one game, but that was the good news, too. It's one game. Yeah. And, you know, and we had, you know, and then, you know, we got up two nothing. Max Calvin scores both goals for us. But, you know, Sidney Crosby only played 10 minutes. Yeah. I think maybe the whole, because he didn't play after the midpoint of the second period. Hurt his right. Name. So really down to three centers and, uh, and, and then, you know, it was two nothing. Then Detroit scored with, I think, six minutes left. They get two one. And then the next shift, they hit Cromwell. It's a crossbar. And next to you, know, I mean, and it, it was something, and we had so we ended up winning. And Mark Andre Fleury makes two great saves at the end, and right at the end, uh, yeah. The last one on Lidstrom was fantastic, and and Dan Balsma, who I you know had hired just in February, um, you know when they made a coaching change, Michael Terry, and Dan came up. Uh, he was our head coach in Wilkesbury, and he came up and did an incredible job, and you know we went like twenty one three and four, um, something like that at the end, and got home ice, and um, but at, you know at Joe Louis arena, you know, we're in the locker room and it was obviously a great atmosphere and drinking out of the cup, everybody and families. And, but I, I, after like, I just walked out to the bench at one point and there was no one in Joe Louis arena anymore. So I was just standing behind the bench, um, the visitor's bench, Joe Louis arena said, Holy cow. Like right. he just won the cup. I mean, it was amazing. And who came walking out like a minute after me, but Dan Bowsman. Yeah. So he's like, Holy, I'm like, Oh damn. Like seriously. So we're like standing behind the bench. And what a whirlwind, like, you know, four, three, four months earlier, he's in the American Hockey League. Now he just won the cup. And right. I said to him, I said, Dan, I got to ask you a question. Like, I never really interviewed you, like, for this NHL job, really. But um, do you have, like, a, one of the, do you have a, uh, do you have, what level do you have coaching for the certificate from USA Hockey? <laughs> huh? 
He goes, oh, I got a level three. Why? I'm like, oh, Christ, serious? I got a level four. Like, <laughs> I got a level four. Like, what the hell? We just won the cup with this dude at a level three. Right. But, um, anyway, now he's got a five, I think. But anyway, that was funny. But it was uh, that was amazing. I think it's an incredible team and in Detroit. And um, they come that close and you don't know if you don't, you know, it was so close to not winning, right? So yeah, it, absolutely. Was, it was something. Yeah, it was great. Hey. I mean, almost to bring it full circle from an Admiral's perspective, Dan Bilesma, he played on those Cincinnati Mighty Ducks teams that uh, we battled in, in the uh, in the Calder Cup playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And so did Todd Reardon, who we ended up hiring in right. uh, Wilkes-Barre and then Pittsburgh and whatever. Now he's, you know, it, it's, they were, it was funny because playing those Cincinnati teams and, you know, they had, Christ, they had Glenn Cross and Lupul and uh, yeah. Stop and Zenon like, yeah. they, I mean, how many NHL players? I mean, they were good. They, and, they were the and basis for, yeah, they were the basis for the, for the Stanley Cup winning uh, oh, Anaheim Ducks the, team. Exactly. They had Kunitz. Yeah, <laughs> like, Chris Kunitz. Yeah. Right. Chris Kunitz. Only great. I mean, fortunately, I had him in Pittsburgh and he was amazing. But um, but it was funny because that was, you know, Anaheim's farm team. But when I was in Pittsburgh, my first three years, I hired Chuck Fletcher, who now the GM in uh, Philadelphia, but I hired Chuck as my assistant GM. Right. And we had, you know, we knew each other kind of parallel paths, I guess, but we didn't know each other that well. So it was so funny. Like when we started working together in Pittsburgh, we were talking about a lot of those series. And I remember we we're playing, like, I can't remember what, it was a weird schedule. Like I remember in the playoffs, we had like, I don't know, we like one, three, I don't know what it was. So we played in Cincinnati. I still remember Pivco hit somebody from behind and or two, two did. And, all of a sudden there's going to be a hearing. Cause like, then I like, well, we, some of one of those guys that there hit our guy. Right. Well, we're going to have, I'm going to call him to send that in too. Get a, try to, and all of a sudden we're at the morning skate. I run into Chuck. I'm like, Hey, did I get sent at the gym mill yet? No, I haven't sent it yet. Um, you're going to say, have you sent the one on our guy yet? No, I didn't send it yet. I'm thinking, I don't even know what the hell the damn pay, pay is anyway. I got to find a video. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, Chuck, this is this is like justice in the old American League. <laughs> Chuck yeah. goes, listen, you know, Pivko's a pretty important player for you and whoever it was, and it may have been Glenn Cross is an important player for us. And what if we don't send the tape in and we just play? I'm like, okay, why don't we do that? <laughs> we never sent it in. <laughs> so that was getting suspended and we just played. <laughs> and, right. Um, that was that was good. And um that at an old Cincinnati Gardens, oh my God. That was that was quite the building and um, but it was some good hockey there, that's for sure. And who was it? Jay Henderson scored the one time for about fifty feet for outside yeah. on Brisgallop in overtime. That was a one nothing game, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I think it was. Jesus, I think it was. I think right. that might have been one nothing. Yeah. Really? Well, it was all goal we needed, Henderson. And, and you know, you talk about guys. You know, you're just mentioning uh, in the in the finals for you know that third line for Pittsburgh was so important for you. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy guys like Jay Henderson who aren't. Absolutely. third or fourth line. I think he had won three cups in a row. Yeah. Uh, he won he with could, us. He could skate. He could yeah. skate, man. And he was, he was physical too. Yeah. Uh, but those are the guys that make up, you know, you have to have top end talent. Oh, you have to have the, the best players, but you also need to fill in the other minutes too. And Jay oh, yeah, Henderson absolutely. Like, was a guy who absolutely. did Absolutely. And same thing, like Fiddler, I think, was Craig Klassen on that team? I can't Greg remember. Craig Klassen, yeah. Uh, Klassen, yeah. I mean, those guys, I mean, Craig was, uh, those guys, he could, yeah, there there was some great performance by some of these players, and 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 what it was a good team, and um, the goaltending was fantastic. And you know, remember we're playing against Rochester, and 
couple of the games where they were played right in the rink in Buffalo, right? And right. Again, Ryan Miller was young. Ryan Miller was the, obviously their the goalie of the future. And yeah, yeah, he was the goalie of the future. But, and, but I remember we beat them both games, I think, in, in Buffalo and Rocha. And it was really Wade Flaherty's out to what was that is better than Miller. And was better than um, Ryan Miller. And, Ryan, and Ryan's yeah, obviously Ryan went on, has gone on to a great NHL career. And, but that's exactly what we needed. And, you know, with goaltending, and if you don't have it, you know, you're bad. Right. You don't know how bad because you don't have any goaltending. And um, if it stands on his head, you know, what the heck you always need it. So, yeah. um, you know, it's always, that was great. Some of those series that we had, and it's, it, I think a lot of it is part and parcel of development. I mean, because it is hard and you're playing against really good teams and, you know, and who could forget going to Chicago was like going into, you know, yeah. it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was nuts going I, to old Chicago. One of my, I, we played Chicago in that second round and car, we, we were the better team, but Kari Lettinen was an, obviously an outstanding oh, goalie. Unreal. And I bet he had 50 saves and I think maybe game two or game three uh-huh. and a lot of, but we had a lot of power plays. And after the game, Don Levin, who's the owner of the Wolves, Tells yeah. their PA announcer, we are inviting everybody back to game four for free so you can see how refereeing is supposed to be done. No way. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, it was – he was so mad, and he just did. Oh. He could not have cared less. And Chicago oh, – absolutely not. And Chicago I, – actually, I think that would have been game four because we had uh, lost game three. But he was so mm-hmm. mad, and he was just like, everyone, come on back because the refereeing is so bad. You deserve to see what real <laughs> refereeing is like. <laughs> and – I mean, Dave Van, imagine trying to Dave oh, Andrews to the final. Like, that was right. like, yeah, good luck. Exactly. You know, that was yeah, right. How much money did you want, I guess? Oh, but, uh, exactly. Second, I, I mean, that was. Didn't the, it, wasn't it, like, didn't, wasn't it game six in overtime that we won? Yes, it was. And we were. And that was, that was Darsha. I think it was Matthew Darsha. I think, I think it was Darsha who scored. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And. There we you were go. freaking. You're still, we listening, were... You're still listening to my um, four eleven games after <laughs> yeah, twenty eight right. years old. And I was still <laughs> believing that. You know, I guess and that it, was on his mind. <laughs> and it was Darsh who scored in overtime a game one against Wilkesbury. Oh, is that uh, right? It was, yeah. And then we and then we ran him out of the building in game mm-hmm. two, and that was when Terry and got so pissed and was <laughs> Claude just called a timeout. Claude like called a timeout up seven three or something like that. Yeah, exactly. That and, was good. He, yeah, like Michael was trying to. I think he was trying to climb the glass. And, yes. Um, yeah. And Claude oh just sitting there, God, just was, there. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, had, and then we, I remember we, what's that? I was going to say, do yeah. you hash that out with him? I mean, is that something oh, you talked yeah. about then a oh, few yeah. years later with Terry and oh, about, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, oh man, absolutely. And, um, it was, it was funny because I was, it was funny because that after we beat him in game four and swept him in Wilkesbury, well, Dan McKinnon was with me. It was, you know, Dan's with me with Nashville. And, um, I still remember, you know, we were staying across, uh, for, from the rink that the, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but I think there's a yeah. Bennigan's there. See the Calder Cup there, the That's Bennigan's. We had, and, we had the so Bennigan's uh, party. That Bennigan's, was our budget. Right? That was the Admiral's that budget was at that point. That was it. <laughs> and um, that, there was a, there's a lot more around the rink now in Wilkesbury than then, but it was, and then the next morning, I remember Dan and I were driving. We're going to New York City or something. I can't remember going to see a buddy of mine. We ended up down in New York City, but before we pull out of Wilkesbury, um, he wanted to stop at like the, they've got like the, the team store, right? So Dan yeah. wanted me to stop and grab a couple of coffees. I need to run to the team store. and want to get my kids a couple of pucks or something. Okay, great. Well, Dan's like 15 minutes in. I'm like, what the heck? So he comes running out base. I thought he rifled some items. I'm like, what's what the heck? He goes, we we got to go. I'm like, you pay for this stuff? He goes, I paid for it, but I, the guy wants to fight me. What? He wants to fight you. 
like who the heck's in the store at nine o'clock in the morning? Right. Uh, just the, the guy that the, the, the guy that works there. But I'm like, why does he want to fight you? Well, I kind of just told him what, you know, I thought what I thought of Terry, you know, and yeah, Terry and, you know, and Dan's still hung over, I think, or from the night before, probably drunk from the night before, just giving it to him what a joke Terry is. He got the worst coach. We had the best coach, blah, blah. The guy's fighting. <laughs> and even worse, when I went to Pittsburgh a couple years later, well, Michael's a coach, and I hi, I bring Dan McKinnon with me. I go, Dan, maybe you want to go in and see Michael yeah. and talk about you know, your experience at the story. Well, and Michael's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> it was hilarious. I'm like, oh, Dan. And uh, Michael ended up being fantastic, though, but we always gave him hell. And he couldn't understand why Claude called the timeout yeah. to that day. It was hilarious. Yeah, but it was, you know, they had a good team in Wilkes-Barre, and um, obviously we're – had a better one, I guess, that year, but um, yeah, but I'm not sure if Dan gave those pucks to his kid or not, but yeah, you know, right. I, was, I was like, step on it. Like, what? Like, <laughs> how, gotta, how do you, how do you explain that? How do you explain that to David Poyle? Listen, uh, uh, Dan, our, our, our got in a fight with a fan at the, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm not sure we report him to the police because, I mean, He's buying stuff, right? He's buying right. merchandise, and no one's right. like fires you down the store after a game four loss, uh, getting swept by the Wilkesboro Penguin stuff. But it's amazing. A couple years later, obviously, um, with Pittsburgh and you know Wilkesboro's the, the farm team, and the same thing. It's like I mean, Jeff Barrett is the head. You know, has been the head of uh, Wilkesboro. Amazing guy at what he does, and really fortunate. They do such a great job there, and. Um, and I remember, like, I remember it would have been like, you know, might have been the 01, 02, something like that. We weren't doing that well. Obviously, attendance wasn't great in Milwaukee. And I think through Dave Andrews, we had, um, you know, and Phil Whitliff had, you know, he goes, I'm, I'm going to send a couple of my top guys in. And I yeah. kind of, it, it was, and it was Jeff Barrett right. and Frank Maselli. Frank Maselli and um, from Philadelphia. I mean, they both ran incredible. Uh, it was really, really good. I still remember though, um, reading. Uh, I think it was Jeff Jeff Barrett's. Like, what you know? Obviously, there was a really detailed report on the state of the franchise and things like that, and, and areas to improve. And and I remember, and one of them was, of course, you know, have some sort of success in the playoffs, which really had never had. Yeah. Well. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, after we swept Wilkesbury a couple of years later, I'm like, hey, we're having some success now, Jeff. Here we go. <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. Um, and it was awesome. But that was, you know, being able to work with Jeff for, for eight years and stuff like that and no different than in Milwaukee. I mean, some really good people. And um, and Phil Whitliffe was fantastic to always deal with. And um, it, was, it was great. So, um, but we've done the better things. And the old um, sweep in Wilkesbury is pretty good. So that was nice. We've we've kept you a long time here. I, I only want to do mm -hmm. a couple more to, to let sure. you know here. By the way, we re really appreciate all your time. Oh, it's easy. Um, you just mentioned Phil. What what was it like working with with Phil Whitliff? I mean, he's an institution, right? In Milwaukee, he's he's mm -hmm. the guy who did clinics on the river and and things like mm -hmm. that. Like he's he's mm -hmm. the, he's the guy. But it was it yeah. was a different time too because the office was bare bones when you're working with mm -hmm. them. And I mean, it, it, right. it had to be a little bit of a challenge. Dick Langley too. Dick yeah. Langley. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dick, Langley. yeah. Um, uh, working with Phil, I mean, honestly, Phil was, it's almost like with Craig Patrick, like before I got there with the penguins with the state of, you know, cause you know, the, obviously when uh, Mrs. Patrick Jane Pettit passed away, then it was, I think the trust uh, 
had run the franchise. And yeah, like it wasn't the same as the go-go days, obviously. And I think Phil did an incredible job. It was a bare bones. Thing. Like, and again, that was the relationship though, trying to help each other in terms of, even though there was a deal in place all the time and between Nashville and Milwaukee on paper, well, if we were having issues with something or they were having issues with something, Phil was amazing in terms of working things out. Okay. We, even though we don't have to change it, well, we can change this or that because of the partnership. And that's why it's been, I think it's lasted so long. And, and even when, you know, obviously with Harris coming in and, and John Greenberg, that was a huge step and obviously to see it continue. And, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's tough now not playing this year, and, but at the end, it's certainly going to pay off, I believe. And um, Milwaukee's a fantastic town, but a lot of that has to do with, you know, Phil Whitliff, he was an institution and he cared so much about, uh, the admirals and the fans and, and certainly almost every role except maybe trainer. Maybe it was trainer at some point too. He did everything. <laughs> yeah, with, probably uh, was. And, and with the ads and he did everything. It was, it was, and he was always, always look forward to, to dealing with Phil and uh, going to Milwaukee and hanging out and just, uh, again, like not just what was going on presently back in the day when he was coaching and was playing, you know, um, you know, he went to Notre Dame and play. I mean, this incredible and really smart guy and really loved spending time with Phil. The, the other thing I want to talk, uh, ask you about is you have, as a GM, you had no problem making the blockbuster deal. And I really mm-hmm. love that. As, as a fan, <laughs> I love that. Uh-huh. Uh, Hosa, uh, Taylor Hall. It, it's, it, how difficult is that for you? Or, do you I mean, or is it a big rush? Like, it, does that really, really get you going? Mm-hmm. Or is it yeah, more stressful it's, it's, than a rush? Is it more stressful than a rush? I think it's, I think it's all those things combined there, to be honest with you. And um, that is, yeah, I mean, I remember like the, the host of deals in my second year, that was like, that wasn't part of our plan. Like, but the team really played well in the first, the second year we were doing well. And, um, and I, you know, been in Ottawa when we drafted Marion and Hosa and I knew him and, at that point, obviously, he was going to be a free agent if Atlanta didn't resign. I'm not sure that was going to be the case. And so I remember saying to Don Waddell that, you know, if you have any interest in, and I never did a big trade before, right? Like, I mean, yeah, how do you go so about it? Sure, sure enough. I mean, well, that was the, it was probably about a month before the deadline. I think it was at the All Star game in Atlanta, actually, in 07. Um, so I remember just talking to Don, listen, um, you know, if, and he's like, you're serious? I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking, I think they're serious. I don't know. I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> sure enough. I mean, he called me like a week later. Listen, we can't sign this guy. Are you going to be in or not? I'm like, yeah. So it actually went down it, the deadline. It was, we did the deal maybe a minute before the deadline. I thought it was, it was Tom Fitzgerald, who's now the gym in yeah. um, Jersey. Obviously, he was, he was, that was his first year. Yeah. It was his first year with, um, with me in Pittsburgh and his first deadline. So, you know, I remember Chuck Fletcher was dealing with his dad, who was a GM in the Toronto at the time, and he actually did the Hal Gill deal. And then, you know, Fitz, he's like, wow, okay. But then for like six hours, it was like early, like the deadline's at three. And like one o'clock, two hours for the deadline, Fitz is on my catch, like, man, I thought this would be a little more. This is so boring. <laughs> I'm like, well, what the hell, Fitz? He's like, yeah, oh. My first deadline's kind of dead, huh? I'm like, yeah. well, I don't know. We're kind of waiting on stuff. I don't know if anything's going to happen. Sure enough, I mean, two minutes to go or three minutes, I still remember. I actually had another deal, a softer deal. And it was with Chicago and Dale Talon's the GM. And so I was on my cell phone with Dale. And I 
And Don would all call back. And he goes, listen, we got like two minutes. You want to do this or not? I'm like, right. I'm like, oh, yeah. What? <laughs> he wants to do the deal. I'm like, whoa, wait, really? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. So I called Mario Lemieux real quick. And Mario's on the golf course. And I still remember saying to him, like, it, we can do the house deal. He's like, no shit. And I tell him what it is. And he's like, I'm like, Mary, I'm just telling you, like, this is a big risk. It's not what we talked about. And he goes, right, the team's played really well. And I'm a risk taker. I bought this team on a bankruptcy. And then Mary was so good like that, too. He, he would never. He's like, listen, you know, you guys know the players. If you want to do the, I'm, I'm all in. And if you don't, that's fine, too. But I'm all in, you know. Right. Okay, I hang up on him. Next thing I said to Don, we got a deal. And I mean, it was I hung up the phone and, and Chuck Fletcher's like running to get the facts and all that stuff, the league. And, and the, uh, within 30 seconds, I'm like probably shaking. The, and I think I said, I said to Chuck, I don't want to do it anymore. Great. <laughs> I just like sent it at the league. I'm like, Oh God, what, what did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> what I did. And, um, and honestly, I'm like, Holy crap. And then, you know, the deadline hits, it might have been 10, 15 minutes later where I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just doing like, oh, my God. Anyway, my phone rings. My cell phone rings. I'm like, hello? Ray, it's Dale. Dale Talon. I'm like, oh, I totally left him on the other line. I totally, <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> he goes, yeah, no wonder you did. No wonder you basically, oh, Bobby, I just say you get host. I'm like, yeah, sorry about that. He goes, well. Now I know why. I thought you're being rude. <laughs> so I, I totally forgot I had Dale on the line. But yeah, that was a, I mean, that was that is it was a combination of that was the adrenaline, but you know, nervous and being, you know, and it was those are, you know, it's anyway that those that's the way things happen. And even Fitzy at like three fifteen, fifteen minutes, like holy cow, that was wild. I'm glad <laughs> I could entertain you, Fitzy. Right after almost <laughs> like, being honestly, asleep an hour earlier. <laughs> oh god, yeah, it was like this is boring. Holy crap. Coming to a guy like Fitzy got traded at the dead like four times. I'm like, that is what it's like, Fitzy, I guess. But that was, but that is good. I mean, it's an experience for him that would start it out. And um, because I remember it was so funny because my first year in Pittsburgh was me and Chuck Fletcher. And the second year, we hired on the same day Tom Fitzgerald and Jason Bottle. That's a pretty good day. Yeah. And Chuck goes, Chuck Fletcher. Chuck goes, yep, July 14th. Black Friday. I'm like, really? That we hired July 14th, and it was a Friday. I don't know, it was a Friday, but it felt like it. <laughs> it was Chuck. <laughs> but anyway, that was great, and you know, it was nice to see those guys going to do well, and um, which is awesome. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. As we we wrap this up, uh, we always like to ask our guests uh, about their time in Milwaukee, and specifically what they think of when you think of your time in Milwaukee. What do you think of? I think of um, I don't know, I think a lot of good, great people that I met and you know um, coaches trainers people like yourself um, Phil Whitlip Dick Langley um, Fran Crow I mean so many but then of being there when um, Harrison and uh, John Greenberg when then when Harris took over the team and getting to know them and work with them for a year or so and still keep in touch and you know, I I remember the Bradley Center. Bradley Center, I mean, not there anymore, but some great things there. And um, uh, I think the Hilton had the water park. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Don't Which, forget Elsa's. Elsa's was popular. 
Yeah. Um, no, it was, I mean, we, uh, I was up a lot and you know, it was, it was funny because sometimes because our charter company was Midwest express and um, like a member we'd be playing in Dallas or something like that. And we obviously fly back after the game and, and let's say it was a Thursday, but I remember we landed in Nashville, you know, team gets off. I'd stay on the plane cause they were going to Milwaukee. Yeah. So just me and the, the crew and just, fly up to just, Milwaukee and get just off the and whole 747 to yourself. No, it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, best <laughs> care in the air. They had the cookies and, you know, and um, that was great. Like and, you'd probably just crush, was, cook, give me, give me two dozen cookies. I'll eat them right now. <laughs> yeah. But there weren't a lot left surprisingly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I think Barry and Barry Trotz and guys like that, they crushed them, but no, it was great. But it was, it was, I mean, Milwaukee was just, and part of it we talked about earlier was just, you know, maybe because of Craig Leopold too. And sure. he was passionate about it because, you know, it's Wisconsin and I don't know, just a lot of good times and memories. And it's so good to see that the relationship still intact and, um, you know, maybe a sabbatical for a year, but, um, you know, it's been important for both Milwaukee and Nashville. Ray, we really appreciate your time. It's, you've been very gracious and giving here. We, we can't thank you enough. We really appreciate you know, it. It's been my pleasure, guys. Great seeing you guys again and great talking and catching up. And good luck uh, the rest of the nine year and good luck with the weather. Very good. Yes. Thank you yeah. very hey, much. Good luck with the ice rink. Yes, yeah, Charlie. Yes, I'll, Charlie. I'll, I'll, I'll need it. I'll need mm-hmm. it. Being out there when it's minus five tomorrow will be a little tough. <laughs> uh-huh. That'll be good. Yeah. Well, you guys have a great day and thanks a lot. And I uh, appreciate you guys doing this. Absolutely. Awesome. That's Ray, Ray Shiro. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Thanks, Apple guys. Podcast.